on this thirsty desert ground in a dry and barren land I bow down You are calling, I will come To your river, I will run I bow down I need you now Oh, living water God, my Savior Join in and worship with us today. You're the start and you're the end. You complete what you begin. I bow down. I need you now. You are calling, I will come. To your river, I will ride. Like the desert needs the blessing of the rain, just like the winter waiting for the sun again. I need you now, just like a river as it reaches for the sea, just like the song that needs the sound of melody. Just like the desert needs the blessing of the rain Just like the winter waiting for the sun again I need you now Just like a river as it reaches for the sea Just like the song it needs the sound of melody I need you now So I did make a couple notes for announcement today because um, uh, for some of you, you may have heard Gallatin County made some changes on health requirements. And I just want you all to know that as a board, we, we took a look at that. Um, just to cover a few things. The, it and then no real clear um, indicator of what was the requirement for us to meet. So I went back and I looked at um, areas or uh, assembly, uh, I think they call it areas of assembly or assembly buildings, whatever, but, 
but everyone else basically and they're listed at 50 percent of fire capacity so we had to look up what that was in this room because we've never needed to know that before so um based on uh kind of how we're structured according to fire capacity we could put 129 people in here if you can imagine that i i went and double checked it i even looked at the exits and according to the exits that we have we could do 240. so um good luck with that right so what we had done already is we had dropped it down to 50 seats in here um, and then spaced it for spacing because we do need to still do social distancing and uh, mass for whoever can, right? Um, so we did that. Um, we also took out 10 seats. So there's only 40 seats in here and we do have the overflow in the other room. So um, for those of you online, if anybody stayed home because of concern, we do have that ability to separate out um, and make sure that we're being safe. So that's, that's really the ultimate piece is we want to be safe and we want to be able to gather and worship together. And combining both of those things, I just wanted you to know that we did review all of that um, just to make sure that we're doing the best we can for you all. And then we have procedures in place to keep things clean and, and safe for you while you're here as well. If you have any questions about that, um, ask me, ask anybody on the board, or ask um, my wife Becky because she runs through and does most of that stuff so she can walk you through what we do to keep you safe. So wanted to make sure we covered that. Um, good to see everybody. We did make some changes in here. There was some feedback like make it kind of uh, a space, right? So hopefully you like the changes. Um, what's funny is we put them up so that the sun wouldn't uh, be as bright. Right, and for those of you that came through the weather today, you understand why that's funny. So um, for people watching online weeks from now, it may not make sense, but um, yeah, that's uh, a couple of things going on. And then um, last week, the board met to go through um, interview questions. So we're ready um, as we get applicants that come in, uh, we've prepared ourselves so that we can walk through that. Here's what I'll just say is um, just keep praying for, um, for where things are headed what God's direction is, um, that's important. Um, we have, as, as the board, we're meeting every other week still and just making sure we're, we're staying on that. Um, we meet here every Wednesday. So if you wanna come in Wednesday evening um, before youth group at 6.30, we're here uh, with the building unlocked and just kind of open time. You can come in and uh, pray for 15, 20 minutes and leave, it's kind of your schedule. going to say a quick prayer for us as we open up this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for the ability to gather and to worship and to be open to your leading and uh, movement in our life. And I just pray that the words through the songs, the words through Bryce today, that we will hear you and hear what we need to know um, to just draw closer to you and to understand your plan that you have for us. There's so much going on in this world that I just pray each of us will draw closer to you and um, just have a refreshed um, experience and a renewed relationship and openness to you, openness with what we're going through, um, that you can work in our hearts and in our minds and help us to be you to the people around us. In your name, amen. John 4, 23 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. And that's our prayer today. Truly this morning, uh, whatever posture that is for you physically, I just ask that you be faithful in that. Whether that's standing, sitting, bowing, kneeling. This morning, let's just worship in spirit and in truth and from the depth, the deep depths of our heart. Amen. And allow God to work and move as he always does. Thank you, God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship his Worship your holy name. 
forward to that day, God, but we just pray, Lord, today, as we are in this place, God, and you've placed us here for such a time as this, God, that we would just live for you, that we would just reflect you in all that we do, God, that we just put our trust and hope in you, God. And Lord, we just, we just thank you, God, that even when discouragement comes in, God, God, that you make a way where there seems to be no way, God. God, even when depression tries to come in or sickness tries to come in, God, or a diagnosis tries to come in or a circumstance in our life tries to change our outlook or change the direction of our life, God, that you remain the same and you remain faithful, God. And we just thank you, God, that you make a way. Even when we do not see it, you are working, God, as this song that we're about to sing says, God. And Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you that you are our way maker, God. You are the way, the truth, and the life, God. And Lord, help us to just put our trust in you today in a new way, God, in a deeper way. We just trust you in all things, God, in every circumstance, in every situation. Lord, even as we've been talking about over the last few weeks, God, no matter what it is in our lives, God, we just put our trust in you, and we know that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and who call upon your name, God. And we just do that today. I 
worship you. I worship you. Cause you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Cause you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. Yesterday, today, forever. That is who you are. 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 Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop working. victory this morning God we know God that you are a God of healing God you are a God that wants to draw your people near and we draw near to you today God hallelujah that is who that you are working even when we don't see it. We thank you that you're working even when we can't see it, even in the dark places in our lives, in our communities, and in our hearts. You are working. We ask today that you would open us um, to your word, that you would speak to us, and that as we hear you, um, you would bring new life into our lives. Amen. So this is like perfect today as I wrestle with the stand here. Um, it's snowing out. 
You guys loving the snow? Don and Kara were going to have an adventure and like drive through the snow. At least that's what Kara tells me. But um, they just they lost their sense of adventure and they came early. So they're here with us, which we're glad for. But um, no, I'm glad it's snowing because I wanted to take a little time this morning and talk about Christmas. And I know it's early for that. I was um, actually I put some Christmas carols on or carols, Christmas music on the other morning. My wife comes down and she's like, no, you can't play that yet. It's not Thanksgiving. You can't do it. But my sister's got my back because she's got her Christmas shirt on. She tells me it's not an actual Christmas shirt. So <laughs> I'm counting it, all right? <laughs> no, I want to talk about Christmas because it's 2020. And I don't know about you, but I need a Christmas. And so I'm taking it a little bit early. Um, I get to talk to you a couple more times before then. So what I really would like to do is try to get inside the Christmas story through some of the characters that we don't always spend a lot of time with um, in our, like when the kids come up and do their Christmas play. Through 40, but I want to set the scene just a little bit. So Jesus has been born, and it's been um, about a week, and the Jewish um, custom is that they need to go to Jerusalem and they have to redeem the firstborn son. So if you remember all the way back to Passover, when God was like bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt, um, he, uh, the last plague on the Egyptians was that their firstborn sons would all die. And then the people of Israel were meant to take a lamb and to smear it over, it's, kill it, smear its blood over the doorpost. Um, and then their firstborn children would be saved. And so in memory of that, Every firstborn male in Israel would belong to God. And so if it was like a sheep or a cow or something like that, then that animal would be sacrificed um, just as a memory of Passover, as a reminder of this belongs to God. If it was a person, they didn't sacrifice them. They had a system where... And then he's going to be able to live. That, and that's in memory of the Passover event. So when they get to Jerusalem, um, Jerusalem's not a quiet city. It's not like Glendive, where my wife grew up, where you just kind of walk around and you run into someone on the street and then you talk to that person. Um, but it's a really busy, bustling place. And so especially as they get to the temple, Simeon are like waiting just for Jesus to show up and they recognize immediately like he's the only one that comes in it's like okay okay obviously that's Jesus right um, it's there's all these people that are around all this activity and it's in the middle by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Messiah just means anointed one, the one that was going to come and set Israel right. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel.
declared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I'm going to pause there. I want us to think for a moment about what Simeon's saying. He's saying, God, I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to your Messiah. This is enough. We'll keep going. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to call the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. In the middle of all this chaos, all these things going on, Simeon and Anna, two people, recognize something. Somehow they're in on the secret of what God is doing. And all those thousands of other people teeming around them are just going about their lives. What is it about Simeon and Anna that allow them to recognize what's going on? So I want it I want to get just a little better sense of what these, what these two individuals were about. Um, the Bible doesn't tell us how old Simeon was. It does seem like he was on the older side as he's looking toward death, but it does tell us that Anna was 84. Um, most scholars think that Jesus was born in about 4 AD or CE, depending on what you prefer. Um, and so I want to look at some of the events that Anna would have lived through. Um, if you want to go ahead and hit that next slide, Jeffrey. So in Anna's lifetime, oh, I'm counting on you, Jeffrey. I didn't even put it in my notes. In Anna's lifetime, um, all right, no, you're good. In Anna's lifetime, she would have lived through the Roman general Pompey coming into Jerusalem. She's, I think it was about 17, the way the math came out. And he uh, um, breaks through the walls of Jerusalem, and he actually goes into the Holy of Holies. He desecrates the Hebrew temple. Pompey's a really interesting guy. He stands there. He takes, he sees this as a Roman, as his right as a victor to stand in the holiest place in the Hebrew world. But he has such respect for them, he doesn't take anything. He doesn't touch anything. He goes in. He this time, people married pretty young. So Anna lost her husband seven years um, after she was married. So we imagine that she would have been widowed a couple years after that. how strongly this would have, this desecration would have been felt by the Hebrew people. This is the place where God meets his people, where God's um, presence on earth is centered. And this pagan man comes in and literally robs God. and not very long, which I, I'll just leave that there, but that does happen. Um, so we know that that happened in Anna's life, and as someone who become prophets, I think that's how it works. Anyway, she's got this um, deep attachment to what God is doing, 
as someone who is or will become a prophet, right? You can, I think we can begin to sense and begin to imagine how deeply these events would have been felt by her. I'm, I don't remember the timing, but probably about 20 years after that, um, the Jewish client king who the Romans allowed to rule in Jerusalem. Oh, look at this. Amica's helped me out. Thanks, Amica. <laughs> when she was about 60. Oh, nope. You see, now you threw me off. When she was. one of Israel's ancient enemies. So we can imagine that she's feeling the pain of this. And then when she was about 60, the same Herod the Great begins to expand the temple in Jerusalem and make it more magnificent. Ownership on what God has given us? I don't know the answer. But she worshiped, she fasted, and she prayed, and she looked forward to the redemption of Israel. Her whole life was geared. Um, Obviously, we could talk for a really long time about that, but I think this video is going to help us out a little bit. Treaties or times of peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being, like when full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, My peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. 
Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. So hey, thanks Anna, for watching. So Anna and Simeon are looking for the restoration, the redemption of Israel. They're looking for things to be made complete, to be made whole. They're waiting for the coming of the Prince of Peace. And that's what they're picking up on when Jesus, when Mary and Joseph walk into the temple. They're picking up on, this is here. The seeds of this are right here in this moment. So as we're getting closer to Christmas, every year, it seems like I run across a couple people in person or online. They're like, yeah, Christmas is just a bunch of bunk. You, got, you know that Jesus wasn't really born on December 25th, right? They're right, by the way. He probably wasn't born on December 25th. Um, but it's kind of missing the point. The reason that we celebrate Christmas on December 25th is because of its connection to the calendar and specifically its connection to winter solstice. So winter solstice, we have the days getting shorter, more darkness, less light, more darkness, less light, more darkness, less light, and then something changes. More light, less darkness, more light, less darkness, more light, less darkness. That moment when something changes is such a beautiful picture written in creation of what God does in Jesus. And so we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, not because we think that that's actually when Jesus was born, but because we understand that there's a deeper truth in celebrating it at that time of year, at that date. Um, yeah, um, for us, the solstice is about December 21st, and we're not exact. Okay, that's weird calendar stuff, but... Um, that's why it's there. So let's think again about Anna and Simeon and all the years that they've spent praying and waiting in the temple and just dusty year on dusty year of waiting for the redemption of Israel, waiting for Shalom to be restored. And if we think further back, we think about the prophets who came before them. We can look back at people like Elijah and Elisha, who had longed for the restoration of Israel. We can look at people like David or people like Joshua, even people like Moses who were there when God's giving the law, but it was pretty obvious even at that point that things weren't right. They were longing for God to do something more. Um, Jesus speaks to this in Matthew 13. He says, I'm going out of order here, Jeffrey, sorry. Um, he says, for truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but didn't see it. To hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. And yet when it came, two people in Jerusalem saw it. Two people had eyes to see and ears to hear. I wonder why they saw it and no one else did. C.S. Lewis, in The Weight of Glory, he talks about this idea, um, this is a German word, word called senschuk. I'm, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. Um, but senschuk is this idea of deep longing, that so deep that the longing itself satisfies. The longing itself is something sweet, and yet it points us forward to the fulfillment of that longing. Um, one commentator, um, he defined it as a feeling of nostalgia that faces toward the future. And C.S. Lewis suggests that all of us have this feeling of longing, that we long for the kingdom of God, that we long for the presence of God, that we long for shalom. And 
it's sweet to long for it. That yearning is sweet. And yet it faces toward the future. It faces toward a fulfillment. It faces toward that moment when Jesus steps into human history. It faces toward Christmas. He writes, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. And I think C.S. Lewis is telling us why Simeon and Anna recognized Jesus when everyone else didn't. They got their desires right. Not just once, not just for a minute, but for years and years and years. They got their desires right, and they thirsted after righteousness, the way that Jesus invites us to. They thirsted after the kingdom of God. They thirsted after shalom and the coming of the Prince of Peace. And because their hearts were turned toward that all the time when that first ray of light of Jesus stepping into the temple, Jesus becoming a baby, becoming human, um, just started to work its way into this picture. They recognized it. They saw that was coming. And I wonder for myself, do I have my desires right? Am I thirsting after God? Am I thirsting after infinite joy? Or am I allowing myself to be satisfied by lesser things? So here we are, it's 2020. It's felt like a dark year. It's felt like a dark year to me anyway. Um, between COVID and the election, all the other things going on in our world, um, then many of us have more personal things that are adding to that and resonating with that that just makes it feel heavy, makes it feel difficult. And I discover this restlessness in me. I want to rush forward. I want to jump to Christmas, right? We're going to jump to no more masks, normalcy. We're going to jump forward. And that's okay. It's okay to want that. But at the same time, I know God calls us to this moment, right? God doesn't call us to skip the darkness. Doesn't, he doesn't call us to skip that part where it gets darker and darker and darker so that we can get to the part where it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. Um, sometimes God meets us in the darkness. Anna and Simeon. It boils down to what God, what God was speaking to me. I'm not saying this is for everyone. This, this was for me. I'm not going to recognize what God offers me in the dark. I want to get forward to the way that things are created to be. And that's a real struggle for me right now. I, I want things to feel normal, you know? But when God is king, all our normal things... salvation that God offers us in the dark until our appetite for righteousness overcomes our appetite for normalcy. I, I just don't, it's not going to happen. I'm just going to read this paragraph. Um, so I was putting my thoughts down. Said, um, but let us not grow weary in the waiting. Let's not rush through the dark. Let's not let the heaviness of the brokenness we experience sap the strength from hands that God calls to action. Because we're not called just to wait. We are also called in our labors and our prayers to repair, to work for shalom. 
we, our lives and our hearts are the seeds from which the hints of shalom that season our broken world and point us toward wholeness spring. What we do matters. How we pray matters. And this is the thing, guys, even as we're in our waiting, as we feel heaviness or I feel heaviness in this year, Christ has already come. And he's placed in us his love, his peace, and his kingdom. I pray that we will be the sort of soil where those things can grow and bear fruit, even when it feels like we're walking in the dark. God works in the darkness. It's at the very beginning of scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There in that darkness, in that disorganization, in that chaos of the first moment, God is working and God is creating. And here in what may feel like darkness to us, God is working and God is creating and God is putting things within us. And he's not working to bring us back to where we've been, to bring us back to normalcy, but he's working toward his kingdom. He's working toward shalom. He's the prince of peace, not the prince of what feels comfortable and familiar. can jump forward a bunch of slides there, Jeffrey. Um, that one right there. Go back, 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 back. Yeah. So things that God does in the dark, God created in the dark. There's strong hints in the story of Jesus' birth that Mary labored in the dark, that Jesus came into the world in the dark. When Jesus died, the sun was dark. Jesus died in the dark and accomplished salvation in the dark. Jesus was raised to life in the dark. Remember, the women show up early in the morning and, um, and the tomb is empty. And so as we look at the story of Simeon and Anna, and as we feel the weight of their waiting, as we feel even the sweetness of their yearning for Jesus, we need to recognize that in that waiting, in that yearning, God is at work, and he's making things new in us. He's making things new in our communities. He's making things new in our societies. So what do we do with this? And I'm wrapping up here, Amica. Um, there we go. Thank you, Jeffrey. <laughs> so like Simeon and Anna, we cultivate hearts that yearn for the Prince of Peace, not for another savior. We don't let lesser desires quench our appetite for righteousness or for the kingdom of God. We don't close our eyes against seasons that feel dark. We don't try to hit fast forward, but we look for the Prince of Peace that creates and breathes something new in us. And we pray. We pray for Christmas. We pray for the turning of the tide, the increase of the light. We pray for shalom. We do what we always do. We pray and we work. And we follow Jesus together. So let me pray. Father, in this moment where we're faced with a pandemic and all the things that come with that um, in terms of limits on our activities and our ability to see and to love one another, as we're faced with this moment in our nation um, in which we've just come through an election and frankly there's emerging two camps of how to interpret what's happened and we feel like we're a long ways from shalom as we navigate our personal lives 
as we even look at personal failings, as we look at painful realities. God, we thank you that you meet us in the dark, that you work in the dark, that you create in that darkness. And we pray that as you do that work, that something would shift, that instead of it seeming to get darker, that it would get lighter. And that, God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see that. We pray that our desires, our yearnings, our appetites would be right, that they would be holy, so that when you show up, we recognize it. Father, I thank you for this community. I thank you for what you're doing in us. Together, we turn our hearts toward you. Amen. When peace like a river attended my way When sorrows like sea billows roll It is well. 